The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Bringing you in on a little Post Malone there. He's hanging out with the Jaguars last week after his concert at Daly's. Saw several guys back there in the um, backstage area hanging out with him. Who all was back there? I know uh, Dwayne Smoot. Uh, Cam son. Robinson was yeah. back there. I think Miles Jack. Yeah, a few other guys, but Post Malone, you know, he's just <laughs> yeah. as popular as it gets right now. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to see the Jaguars hanging out with him and... Uh, he didn't look super enthused, but he never really does. He yeah, always he looks, looks pretty out of it. He looks like he was having a long night. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Welcome to the 68th episode of the Gin Jag Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by my co-host, Scott Klein. You can find him on Twitter, at ScottKlein1. You can find myself, at Jordan DeLugo, on Twitter. And our third co-host is not with us today due to football practice obligations over at Creekside. Um, so you can follow Hunter Evans at Coach H underscore Evans and give him a hard time for being a Bama fan, for not being here, for being the worst co-host <laughs> on the show, you know, anything you want. Go give him a hard time at Coach H underscore Evans. Um, we've got a lot to get into today. A lot of news has been coming out in the last couple of days around the NFL and relates to the Jaguars, Um, so there's a lot to get into. We haven't had a podcast, it seems like, in about a month. Yeah. A little bit less than a month, probably, but we haven't even had a podcast since the draft, so we've got a lot to get into. We're not going to do like a full draft recap because it's been so long, there's been plenty of those, but we'll Mm -hmm. talk about the draft a little bit. We'll talk about OTAs starting yesterday, Tuesday, a lot to get into with that. Uh, a lot of just questions going into the uh, OTAs, minicamp, training camp. You know, we're going to look at which five newcomers might have the biggest impact this year. Top five weaknesses on the team. I know this is a pretty stacked roster, but we'll take a look at the top five weaknesses. Um, and we'll also give our most improved players that we think will uh, make a big jump this year. But we've got a lot to get into, like we said. This episode, as is every episode, brought to you by Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jack Podcast. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Bold City Brewery. And make sure to check out their new cans that they just released recently. They've got 1901 Red Ale and Vernon's Pills. Uh, both of those should be in stores near you, so go check them out. And uh, that adds to Duke's Killer Whale and Mad Manatee as the beers that they're regularly releasing for like grocery stores and gas stations and all that stuff. So, good stuff for them. Uh, We've got some Dukes here today. We've also got some Pineapple Funkadelic. It's a juicy, hazy IPA with a bunch of fancy hops I don't know how to pronounce, so I'm not going to (laughs) try. Uh, But (laughs) good stuff there, obviously. Um, And it has pineapple, obviously, by the name. Enjoyable beer. Obviously, if you don't like hops too much, you don't like IPAs, it's not going to be your thing. But I really enjoy it. Um, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that likes pineapple. I'm the one of the few that likes pineapple on my pizza. Mm-hmm. So I do I'm too. Sure, I, oh, awesome. Okay, I knew I liked it. Um, but yeah, I'm sure 
throwing pineapple in the beer, it's not going to... I think it's going to work out pretty well for us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I certainly enjoy it. Um, got a special pop-top beer that we will announce later in the show, so stay with us for that. And we're going to go ahead and jump into what I believe is the most important topic going on around the Jaguars right now, which is OTAs. Really for every team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Certainly OTAs didn't dominate the talk around the radio and television stations and Twitter and everything else today because of uh, the national anthem compromise, the NFL is calling <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that later, but we'll start with OTAs. Um, there's going to be 10 OTA practices from starting yesterday, which was Tuesday, the 22nd, going through June 8th, and there's going to be three mini camp practices. All that will lead up to training camp, which we all know is training camp is really the start of the season. Oh, yeah. You're getting hot and heavy. You're starting to have some padded practices. I feel like right now it's walkthroughs. It's no pads. You know, it's getting back in the swing of things. You're not going to get too in depth. Just get see what got see what kind of shape these guys are in. Maybe test them, push them, see how much they retain as far as playbook wise and and different things. So it's. Yeah, and it's yeah. the second year in the same system for both the defensive and the offensive players. So you'd like to see some command of, mm-hmm. especially in walkthroughs, which is what they are right now. You'd really like to see them looking sharp. And you even heard, um, I think it was Blake Bortles talking about how, when you look in their eyes, like Leonard Fournette and uh, D.D. Westbrook talking about how there's not as much, like maybe last year they were like, okay, I hope I remember what play they're going to call. And this year it's like, Okay, maybe they're starting to figure out what they are going to call and be ready for it and yeah. and be more prepared. There's so no question yeah. that they know what they're doing now. And that's awesome. You want to see that from your younger players going into their second year. Speaking of Blake Bortles, he was the talk of the first day of OTAs. Uh, seemed to be on the money with everything he was doing. Seemed to be owning the offense. Um not only did all the media members that were there say that, but also his quarterback coach, Scott Milanovic, uh, he really commented on how how much command he had of the offense and ownership of the offense and getting guys in spots uh, that they need to be in. And uh, he says that Bortles grew a lot last year thanks to the success as a leader, a mm-hmm. vocal leader specifically. So that's good. You want your quarterback to be the leader of your team without a doubt. And if Bortles can become that, with a team that has such a dominant running game and a dominant defense, that's just going to be that much scarier for the rest of the teams in the AFC. He's going to have some competition, though. There's a lot of leadership kind of guys on this football team, especially on that defensive side. But not as much on the offense. Yes, yeah, exactly. It seems like a much more reserved, much more, hey, we need to get this business done, yeah. instead of the fired up, you know, talk, talkative, you know, trash talk. Yeah, and I don't defenses. know Norwell that well, but... Mm-hmm. He's a guy that certainly has had the success to where yeah. he could be a leader, but he doesn't seem like he'll be a super vocal leader, more a leader by example. Yeah. And Mercedes was kind of like that way. I mean, he I don't think he was the most vocal guy, but he was a guy who's been around the Jaguars locker room longer than anybody, and you lose that. And so somebody on the offensive side has to step up. Right, and speaking of Mercedes Lewis, he's up in Green Bay. Apparently they're hosting him for a visit, so he could be a Packer playing alongside... Um, Jimmy Graham. Wow. That'd be interesting. Best receiving tight end, perhaps, in the NFL. Best blocking tight end in the NFL on the same team. That's not bad. Yeah, (laughs) not bad at all. Uh, But best of luck to him with that uh, interview slash visit. And I'd be happy for him to go to an NFC team. So we don't have to worry about that. Uh, But, yeah, Blake Bortles... You saw the highlights. If anyone hasn't seen the highlights, Jaguars have them all over their Twitter account, on their website. We've reposted all the stuff, so go check it out. Obviously, it's not a padded practice. It's really playing against air, but mm-hmm. the form looked... Yeah, his motion looks very smooth. Yeah, compact. very smooth, yeah. And, you know, he's always going to have the wobbly balls. That's that's just something he's never going to be able to master in terms of yeah. throwing a perfect spiral all the time. But they were on the money yesterday. So that's good to see. A lot of the receivers that were brought in made some big plays on the ball. Um, DJ Chark had a long 
uh, catch downfield. Austin Ferry and Jenkins the same. Dante Moncrief seemed to be in position regularly. Um, and then you look at Keelan Cole. He, he had a really impressive grab uh, that, that's in the highlight reel. The Jaguars posted. Uh, you saw D.D. Westbrook getting into action. Apparently Rashad Green had a fantastic yeah. day, uh, which you haven't heard that name in a long yeah. time. You kind of forget that he's on the roster yeah. at this point. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he's able to carve out a niche on this mm-hmm. roster. It seems unlikely at this point. Yeah, there's a lot of young guys that are uh, going to be fighting for a spot, and he just seems kind of like the forgotten man. Mm-hmm. So let's see. I mean, he didn't really get – he had a little bit in the preseason to show, and he didn't really make much of it, but it all basically was on injury reserve the entire year. So it's – we thought last year was his last shot. Let's see what else. Let's see what else he's got for us. Absolutely. Um, second biggest story, unfortunately, no Boye, no Ramsey. Mm-hmm. It's really not a big deal. Everybody's making it, or not everyone. A lot of people are freaking out about it, which fans freak out. That's the way it is. But these are voluntary workouts. Yep. You see players around the league getting injured at these workouts. Chargers lost Hunter Henry yesterday with an ACL tear. Uh, the Eagles lost their line, starting linebacker, Paul Warlow. So you see guys out there getting injured. You don't want that for your team. Uh, A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey are two of the best in the business, clearly. Neither of them has contract issues. A.J. Boye is the third highest paid corner in the in NFL, and he just got his contract last year. Jalen Ramsey's still on his rookie deal, and he can't even negotiate a new contract until after this season. So it's clearly not monetary issues. I'm not worried about this in the slightest. No. I mean, there's, it, it seems like they, you know they have their own off-season schedule. They have their, their, a regimen that they're doing, so it's not like they're slacking off. It's, it's got to just be, be, I mean, stay healthy. Yeah. I mean. That is the number one thing that yeah. you want from OTAs to minicamp to training camp. If you don't lose... Many guys during that time period, mm-hmm. you are very fortunate as a football team. Look at look at the Chargers. They lost one of their best young offensive players in Hunter Henry. Yeah, at a voluntary practice, that whether he showed up or didn't, his the money he receives is is, is the exact same. Right. I mean, it's, you're basically he's working for an, free. You could say you're taking an unnecessary risk by participating yeah. in a voluntary OTS. Yeah. You'd certainly make that argument. So, it, I mean, you'd like him to be here, but I completely understand if it means saving Boy and Ramsey for being healthy and fresh for the year. I mean, and it's these a small are two sacrifice. guys that both missed a lot of time heading into last season. Mm-hmm. Um, Ramsey seemingly missed nearly every practice during the year. Yeah, Boye didn't Boye even play much some. in the preseason. Right. So. If there's two guys you don't need to worry about getting their reps prior to the season yeah. very much, it's these two Maybe guys. Maybe it's the two Pro Bowlers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and if if my job asked me, hey, come in a couple hours early every day, but you're not going to get paid extra for it. Mm, it's a bit different. No, thank but you. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna do that. In a perfect world, they'd be there yeah. building a little bit of chemistry with. Um, DJ Hayden, perhaps, and mm-hmm. some other guys in the secondary, Ronnie Harrison. But Ronnie Harrison's getting plenty of tutelage from Barry Church and Deshaun Gibson, mm-hmm. so I'm not worried about it one bit. And it, and I saw, I think it was, uh, I think it was Mike Kay that said it might be a blessing in disguise for the team because you could really emphasize getting a look at all these young corners, yeah. to see who's going to be that guy, the third. Yeah, you can see guy. DJ Hayden. You can see Jalen Myrick. Tyler Patman, yeah. Quentin Meeks, all these guys, you can see them a lot more. Because there's no chance that Boye and Ramsey are slipping down the depth chart. <laughs> you know what you have in them. Absolutely. Let's see what the unknown. Let's see the unknown. I'm with you there. Uh, so, really a non-story. Now, if either of them misses mandatory minicamp after this OTA sessions are done, that might be more of a story. And this is a story in the modern day and age just because we get news constantly and they're not there, so it is a story, but it's not a story worth freaking out about. I agree. Now, uh, we mentioned the receivers looked really good, including Austin Safari and Jenkins. That's good. It's great that they looked good, but again, it's against air. It's against nothing, but it's better than the alternative. It's better than hearing yeah. a lot of dropped passes or mm-hmm. 
routes that are run um, improperly or guys being in the wrong spots. So you'd certainly rather them look good than not look good yeah. on day one. And uh, it's an encouraging step. It's not. It doesn't mean anything. But it's encouraging that Blake Bortles played so well and seemingly had so much chemistry with the receivers this early. Yeah, it's it's definitely the part of the team that you would look at. It's like, hey, we need to... There needs to be improvement. Yeah. I mean, the passing game, it got by for most of the year, really showed up late in the year. and, there, and Right, for that three-game stretch in yeah. December. And then, you know, against Pittsburgh and... New England, the passing mm-hmm. game was pretty effective. Obviously, against Buffalo in round one, it was abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it is what it is. Um, Leonard Fournette, the star of the show on offense, he, again, just, he's completely healthy now. He looked just unreal. I heard he lost some weight. Yeah. I, I, yeah. A lot of people said he looked a little slimmer. I couldn't really tell from the video and pictures, but. He's a freak athlete. When he's healthy, he's among the most talented running backs in the league, without question. Uh, Corey Grant, he looked as explosive as ever. He's not necessarily like a young buck anymore. He's been in the league for a few years, so it's good to see that he still has the explosiveness that you want from him and could potentially have a slightly expanded role this year. That'd be... I know a lot of Jaguars fans want that. Whether that'll happen or not, we'll see. It seems like, at the very least, he'll have a slight expansion in his role. Yeah. And he should. Yeah. He definitely deserves it. I mean, every time he's touched the field on offense and gotten any sort of bulk uh, work, he's really shown out. You, so. you think about the fake punts. You think about just the, the half in New England, just to see what he can do. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the 2016 season, he ran all yeah. over the Colts. So he's a guy that, I'm not saying he deserves to be in there a lot. I'm not saying he deserves to get 10 touches a game, but maybe three to six or seven touches a game. I would say even at minimum three to four dedicated plays to say, hey, just get the ball in this guy's hands. Yeah. He might take it to the house. I agree. If it, if it doesn't work, all right, cool. We'll keep That's going. we doing back to the drawing but board. Just, he's the home run hitter, you know? Yeah. You, you, you have certain plays for him. It's like, all right, this is a good time where we feel like we can exploit it. Run, whatever, spider, Y banana, <laughs> and, uh, and let's see what we can do. Yeah, so. I'm with you. So good to see those guys looking explosive. Um, one of the biggest takeaways, Andrew Norwell's just size and strength. He looks like the most dominant offensive lineman that the Jaguars have had in a while, and you've got him... With Brandon Linder and Cam Robinson out there now, Jeremy Parnell's a strong guy too. Like AJ Can, while he's an inconsistent player, he's no he, he's no weak guy at right guard. Like he's mm-hmm. a, he's a powerful guy as well. So good to see that your big money free agent looks the part early <laughs> in OTAs. Absolutely. I mean we we love the guy when we signed him. Um, it's exciting. You'd like to see him in pads. But soon enough, just, yeah. <laughs> soon enough. Uh, Logan Cook, Jaguars rookie, seventh round punter from Mississippi State. You better be careful. He's going to get a bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he hit the top of the Jaguars practice facility several times yesterday with his punts, and uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see if that translates into some really nice hang time and games and. Yeah. And such, but for now it's just funny and cool to <laughs> yeah. see him just nail on the top of the practice facility and uh, seeing how he will adjust to practicing indoors at times. Uh, and good for the Jaguars for practicing indoors. I know yesterday it was overcast. Today they didn't practice, but I tried to join them in terms of solidarity and getting back <laughs> into my workout grind. I ran out here in the neighborhood and it was. It was hot. It was, it was a hot one. Oh. I wish I was running inside the practice yeah. facility. <laughs> no doubt about it. But uh, again, there's no major injuries so far, which is huge. We've said Hunter Henry was lost for the season. Paul Warlow. The number one thing out of all of this is just staying healthy. It really is. Um, my biggest takeaway from the start of OTAs and the start of really getting into the season is 
The emphasis on last year meaning nothing. 2017, what you did in that time period will get you nowhere in 2018. You have to rebuild your hard work. You have to rebuild uh, getting back to the place you were athletically and in terms of football shape and in terms of discipline. Uh, this is a team that's going to be coached hard on the practice field, and they're getting back to that right now. Mm-hmm. And Doug Maroon isn't... He's not changing the attitude at all now that the team has had some success, which, no. you know, you've seen other coaches do that. Jack mm-hmm. Del Rio, one of them. Uh, so good to see that it's the same message year in and year out, regardless of what happens the season before. You have to be all in. Yeah. Anything else from you in terms of OTAs? Yeah, I mean, just more of the same. I mean, it's always been on message, you know, every day. Compete, compete, compete get the best out of everybody. Um, like you said, Jack Del Rio, I've heard in the past, you kind of never know what you're going to get from one day to the next. Mm-hmm. You know, he might be this hard disciplinary one day and then be lax and, you know, have an easy day. I mean, obviously, Doug Marone might give his guys a day off or something every now and then just to keep him fresh, but he's going <laughs> to he's gonna run your ass into the ground. No doubt I mean, about it. It's it's going to be tough, and I think if he's the coach here for the next 15 years, every year is going to be tough. tough. Um, I think it's good, you know, never settle. The day they start giving out rings for second place in the AFC, maybe. But I don't <laughs> think that's happening anytime soon. It sure isn't. Uh, now, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the anthem rules. Yeah. It's the biggest subject in the NFL today. The... The league came out with a statement saying that they came up with a compromise. I I think that term is very loosely used here. A compromise regarding the national anthem rules. Uh, Essentially, players or league personnel will have the option to stay in the locker room during the national anthem. Players and league personnel who choose to be on the field for the anthem but do not stand will lead to their respective teams being fined and then essentially... I'm guessing teams will then find those players for whatever the cost is. Doesn't really sound like a compromise, especially because they didn't consult with the players' union at all (laughs) on this. The players' union released a long statement that we're not going to read the whole thing, but it essentially said that the NFL, it's not a compromise, and they didn't consult with us at all regarding this. Yeah. I don't know. The the, the term compromise is very loose here <laughs> yeah um, like regardless of what side you stand on this or if you don't care you're indifferent like that's not a compromise either way no i mean it's just the complete wrong word to say yeah it's a decision has been made and here is what we're doing moving forward yeah i mean they're just i, I feel like they're just laying out like an ultimatum it's like okay you guys had your fun you did all this this is how things are going to move forward. And yeah. I think not addressing the very people who are in, in this, involved in this conflict is arrogant and a bit... I don't know. I just It boggles my mind that they didn't even consult with them. Yeah. Ask them, like, hey, what do, you, like, what do you think is something that we can do to help move past this? Or to call to it a compromise and to yeah. not communicate with the players' union about it is just... It's ridiculous, honestly. Yeah. Uh, now, Shad Khan released a statement, and I'll go ahead and read it. Shad Khan says, We all want the same thing. Respect for our nation and the flag. The focus on our game and a pledge to advancing social justice that will be absolute and stand the test of time. I believe we're closer to that today, and I know that the Jacksonville Jaguars will be committed to those ideals this season and in the future. Khan, at the beginning of this statement, clearly shows his support for the decision made by the NFL, in my opinion. But then he tries to backtrack and make it seem like he's also on the player's side a little bit. Yeah, I mean, what I... I can't really fault the guy. I mean, he's I kind of absolutely. between a rock and a hard place. You can't completely sell out your compatriots and your colleagues and while also forsaking 
the guys you walked out arm in arm with in right. London. Right. Um, he he's got to ride the fence a little bit. Um, he he said what he had to because he had to make it. He couldn't just ignore it and let it go. Yeah, I think every owner in the NFL released a statement today regarding this. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not mad with what Shad had to say. I don't think it's inspiring at all. I think it's a very blah statement. It is. And especially when a lot of it's breaking now, since the podcast has started, where the 49ers owner, Jed York, has said um, he does not... He does is not you you know unanimously agreed upon. He they said that they will actually pay the players fines if they want to express themselves. Um, that, that it was just said, um, and that you know it, he they actually abstained from voting in the vote because they wanted to hear from their players first. Right. And I think whether or not they meet with the players and still think this is the right way to go, I think it's the the the, the step that should have been made. So. That's I mean, tough. tough. Yeah. Now, one owner who did not just tow the company line, which I really love seeing this, Christopher Johnson, the chairman and CEO of the New York Jets, says, I plan to sit in the very near, fe- near term with Coach Bowles and our players to discuss today's decision regarding the national anthem. As I have in the past, I will support our players wherever we land as a team. Our focus is not on imposing any club rules, fines, or restrictions. Instead, we will continue to work closely with our players to constructively advance social justice issues that are important to us. I remain extremely proud of how we demonstrated unity last season, as well as our players' commitment to strengthening our communities. So he really is completely on the side of the players with this one. and I find that refreshing, and I, I, I enjoy reading that. I enjoy mm-hmm. hearing that. Uh, I wish more owners would kind of take that stance, but Shad Khan's got a tough, tough job being an owner in Jacksonville. Yeah, that's such a strong military presence. So many people are so angry about players kneeling, and I'm not saying all military or past military uh, are against kneeling. I'm just saying there's a large, large portion of those people that are against it. Uh, And Shad's in a hard place there because he's got to stand with his players. He's got to make the fans happy. I see where he's going with what his statement was. Kind of uh, straddling the fence. But overall, I think most people are unhappy with this decision. I think it's really not a compromise by any stretch of the imagination. And there's several players, more than several players, that have come out and spoke out against this decision by the NFL. One of them is Dwayne Dwan Smoot. Who has been a bit more vocal than than other yeah. players have. So yeah, this is an interesting statement here from Smoot, the Jaguars' second year defensive end out of Illinois, who he did get some decent reps last year. And he he projects to be a potential starter at some point in his career. Freedom of speech does not exist for NFL players now. We get fined for protesting for something we believe in. Find me. You can't change my opinion and can't stop my protest. I have a right as an American to protest when I feel there is injustice in this country. So he's clearly very unhappy about this. Uh, I can see his perspective. I can also see the perspective of NFL owners who are like, well, you're costing us money by doing your protest and you're an employee of our company. Yeah. So you see both sides of the, both sides of the coin there. It's a very divisive issue. It's not about to end. I'm sorry the players union is going to sue the NFL. And it's and to me, it's an NFL, it's an issue that goes far beyond the NFL that has become an NFL issue. Yeah. It's something that's much bigger than the than you know, Dwayne Smoot or the Jaguars or the NFL or anything. I mean, it's it's something that has been kind of, I feel like a bit twisted into this thing that is a shell of what it's, it began as. Yeah. And it's became much more of an issue of, you know, national pride and respecting the, the flag and the, and the, the, um, the Star Spangled Banner, the national anthem. Um, so, I mean, it's hard for me, I, I, it's hard for me to understand what it's like to have to feel like I need to go out there and do something that puts my neck on the line to stand up for people that don't necessarily have a voice. 
so I mean, I, this is just a difficult situation that I don't really see ending very well, especially with this step that was just taken. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the players' union and the players, many of them, yeah. view this as a slap in the face. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a hot button topic for a long time to come. Not going anywhere. But uh, there are other things going on in the world today. Yeah. And uh, with the Jaguars. Doug Marone joined the Pardon My Take podcast from Barstool <laughs> Sports. Uh, and they came down to the stadium, TIAA Bank Field. Saw a shot of them in the uh, in the old pools. Up yes, there. Uh, they um, they recorded their podcast. And Marone then looking svelte, yeah, as always. <laughs> proceeded to you know get in their bathing suits and hop in the pool and uh, do some nice fun poses together. <laughs> Doug Marone and uh, the the PMT guys uh, posing without their shirts on and uh, having a good time out there. So make sure to go check out that interview. It'll be up on Barstool Sports, I'm assuming, within the next couple of days. So make sure to check that out. I'm sure it'll be, if nothing else, entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> um, several Jaguars have made the top 100 list since we have met. Um, Unique Ngakwe came in at number 88. Telvin Smith came in at number 67. And most recently, Leonard Fournette came in at number 58. I personally am surprised that Fournette made the list, not because I don't think he deserves to make the list, but I thought some people would be like, uh, 3.9 yards per carry, missed some games. Maybe he shouldn't be on the list. But you look at his total body of work, two fastest recorded times of any offensive player in the league last year. Uh, a 100-yard uh, performance against the Steelers in the playoffs to go along with three touchdowns. Carried the team on his back many games. And uh, he was just—he was asked to do everything as a rookie, and he did it. And he didn't always have the most help around him. Yeah. So it's good to see him there. Uh, I probably would have flipped him and Unique, or maybe even Telvin Smith up to fifty-eight. But yeah, I, I would say I was, Unique and Telvin both had much better seasons than yeah. Fournette. But Fournette had a great season. Yeah, he did. Um, at this point, I think those two are a little bit more refined in their craft than mm-hmm. Fournette because, you know, Unique evolved from a guy who came into the league in 2016, um, third round pick, who a lot of people just considered a situational pass rusher. Yeah. He's morphed into an every down defensive end and guy that got 12 sacks last season would have set the Jaguars franchise record, but for Calais Campbell <laughs> setting it. And the same season. Uh, and he's as nasty as they come when it comes to getting that strip sack, too. My goodness. It's, yeah, it is ridiculous. Uh, Telvin Smith, one of the best weak side linebackers in football. For what he's asked to do, he's like prototype. Unbelievable. He's coming out of college. You would think, oh, he's this you know smaller linebacker, incredibly fast. He's going to be great in coverage and suffer against the run. He's the, he was rated as the best run defensive linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. Well, he's not going to be able to get off blocks. Well, people got to be able to get to him. Yeah, he just sidesteps and <laughs> yeah. like jukes people out of blocks. It's unbelievable. And he just beats people to the spot. Yeah. An offensive lineman cannot get to a spot if he if Telvin knows where the ball's going. Absolutely. He cannot. There's, he has no shot. You're right about that. Now, so they have three players so far on the countdown. They're apparently the second most well-represented team on the countdown. Um, I'm thinking Calais, obviously. Boye and Ramsey, obviously. But my final guy I think is going to make it, Malik Jackson. He absolutely absolutely should. I mean, eight and a half sacks at defensive tackle. (laughs) He's a dominant player. Really is a leader on that defense. Uh, I I can't think of anyone else who I think would make it. I think if Brandon Linder was going to make it, it would have been earlier on in yeah. the countdown, maybe in the 90s. Anybody else you got on your mind? No. I mean, not really no offensive line, or no offensive player other than Brandon Linder. Um, the defense is already pretty well Tommy represented. Tommy not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. Good. If he didn't make the Pro Bowl, which he should have, he ain't making it. He this. absolutely should have. He deserved it big time. Um 
but yeah, so we're we've got three already in. We're guessing there's going to be a total of seven, and it's going to be Calais, AJ Boye, Jalen Ramsey, and Malik Jackson. That's nuts. That's crazy. It is, and there's a lot of other guys that have the talent to make that list mm-hmm. next year, which is even more impressive. That <laughs> uh, you know, Miles Jack, he's definitely got the yeah. talent to make the list. Andrew Norwell, uh, I'm guessing he might be on the list. Yeah, we'll take that. I didn't think about that. We'll take that. Yeah, one. he might be on the list. That counts there. for us now. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Calais counted for us last year. So true. Yeah, gotta love it. Uh, before we look at the draft a little bit and look at five newcomers that will have the biggest impact, the top five weaknesses, and who will be the most improved player, we will get into our Bold City Pop Top segment. We've got the Megatron Hoppy Blonde Light-Bodied Hop Forward Beer Showcasing Australian Vic Secret Hop 5.9 Alcohol by Volume. Let's go ahead and get it. I love the uh, name. Scott's letting me do the honors here. Megatron, Megatron Happy Blonde. Happy Blonde. Happy Blonde. Gotta get it right, bro. Excuse me. <laughs> Let's see how this is. Oh, and again, my. you can visit Bold City Brewery at boldcitybrewery.com. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. Check them out in Riverside on Roselle or their downtown location where all these new uh, hoppy and fancy... Experimental uh, brews are coming out, such as the Megatron that we're sipping on right now and the Pineapple Funkadelic that we tried earlier in the show. So let's go ahead and give it a try here. Wow. Interesting. What do you think? I I like it. I do too. It's Um, definitely a lighter beer. Yeah, so like it's got a little bit of hoppiness. Yeah. You're getting like the light beer closer to like a tailgating beer, but yeah. then you're also getting some hoppiness, but not nearly as much as you would get from really like an IPA. Yeah. I'm about it. I think I could definitely tailgate to this. There's some sort of fruitiness to it. Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe that's the hops have that in it, or I don't know what it is. There's a secret the ingredient. Secret hop. <laughs> I'm not sure, but thanks again to Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jack podcast. Those guys are the best over there. Make sure to go see them again. You can check them out in Riverside on Roselle or downtown on East Bay Street. So the Jaguars they had a they had a draft at the end of last month that we haven't talked about it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh they shocked a lot of people really with yeah. their first pick and their <laughs> yeah. third pick. And their sixth pick, well, fifth pick, sixth round. Uh, the other picks, I would say, fall in line with what people thought might happen. But yeah. first round, third round, and sixth round, you're really kind of like, okay, interesting. But Taven Bryant, the Wyoming Wild Man, initial thoughts. Like, like what do you... Th- a lot of people kind of know the mold of these players already because of it's been almost a month. Yeah. But what do you think Taven Bryan's impact can be in 2018 and beyond? I just, I look at a guy who at times on that Florida defense was far and away the best player on the field. Yeah. And that's, well, that's deep offense or defense on either team. He was yeah. just the best player on the field. And that's, you know, SEC, that's the Gators defense, yeah. which despite the Gators not being. Their defense is fantastic. Their defense is always loaded with talent. And yes, many pros. So it's a guy who I know can step in and he he's not worried about who's above him on the depth chart. Yeah. He's gunning for you. I mean, this is a guy, his get off. Oh my god, it's unbelievable. Well, yeah, his first step and then it converts to power because he's so strong. He's he's an athletic marvel. I mean, just look at his combine <laughs> numbers. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's like, like in the top what percentage of defensive linemen? I think ever? he was the eleventh highest. It was I think he was the eleventh highest defensive lineman graded out of like seven hundred since like nineteen eighty nine or something. Right. It's, it's crazy. Like, wow. So it's he's an athletic freak. Um, he's just he's one of the most powerful guys you will see on the football field. I think he'll have a huge impact this year. As you know, a backup essentially, 
um, just because he's going to fight his way onto the field. I sure hope so. Man, he's he's going to make it. He's going to come in as a, on a rotational basis. He's not going to play a thousand snaps this year. No. Not going to get close. But he's going to come in and he's going to make some huge impact plays, and he's going to flash, and it's going to make. Looking into next year, that interior defensive line is a lot of money in there. And I feel like he's going to make their decision maybe yeah. not as easy. Maybe but not a necessarily next year, but you know, in the next couple of years, yeah. they're not going to be able to keep Malik Jackson and Marcel Darius and Calais Campbell. Mm-hmm. And Unique Ngakwe is going to get paid. Dante Fowler, you assume, is probably going to be the odd man out after and, this season. And this knows. is what good teams do. They look at their overall roster and they see they don't have many holes. They have a guy who they projected to be one of the best players in this draft, and he was sitting there at a position that they do not need, and they took him because they understood what their roster is, they understood the value of the player that they're picking, and they just said, let's go get a good football player because we're thinking about the future, while also having he will have an impact this year. Yeah, I think his biggest impact could come in the playoffs. I think if he was on the roster against the Patriots last year, that the defensive line... First off, is just not as gassed down the stretch. And second off, perhaps he's able to make one of those big plays like Dante Fowler did and yep. just add another big play for the defense. And if yeah, you have a guy who literally... You have a defensive line who literally, no matter who you put on the field, is a threat. Yes. And that's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, really, if you're talking about the least threatening player out there that's going to get a pretty good amount of reps, it's... Avery Jones, who's a pretty explosive defensive lineman. Yeah. Who we were happy who, you know, got signed to yeah. a moderate contract. And we were like, good, this guy, he can play some serious minutes. Yeah. So it's exciting stuff around the defensive line room. Uh, you see pictures of Taven Bryan getting coached up by Calais mm-hmm. Campbell yesterday. You love to see that. Um, moving on to the second round, DJ Chark, this is not. A shock at all. Yeah, we we talked about him a ton. Yeah, we we thought he could go to the Jaguars in the first round. Yeah. Um, six three, two hundred pounds. He's pretty thin. He could add some weight for sure. But four three speed. Um, he he was a notable difference maker last year, despite pretty poor quarterback play. There was a numerous plays where he was wide open down the field, mm-hmm. and due to a poor throw, he had to come back to get the ball and ended up having to fight for the ball and getting tackled. But had he been hit in stride, easy touchdown. And there were several of them that were easy touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of um, opening up the running game for Leonard Fournette. Uh, you do a play-action DJ chart going deep, your your safeties have to respect that. Oh, yeah. Uh, the defense's safeties have to respect that. I think he's going to have a big impact early, even if it's not in terms of statistical numbers, like getting five catches a game for 100 yards, but getting like two or three catches for 50 or 60 yards and opening up the running game a little bit. So I think it's it's a home run pick. A lot of people thought he was a first-round player. Jaguars were able to get him, despite trying to trade up earlier into the 50s and being unable to, the Jaguars were able to land him at their spot in the second round, and I think there's a home run pick. He uh, was Leonard Fournette's roommate in college. Uh, He... Clearly is a very professional um, young man based on his first interview uh, press conference. He came out and shook the hands of all the media members and introduced himself. He's a guy that seems to have his head on straight. He's an uh, an LSU guy. The Jaguars love SEC players and ACC players for that matter. Big school players, Taven Bryan, DJ Chark. Third round, they capped it off of an Alabama player, (laughs) Ronnie Harrison, who many people thought could have been a first-round pick, if not certainly his early second to mid-second-round pick. Landed all the way to the Jaguars in the third round. What do you think about what his impact could be sooner rather than later? He's going to be a guy who Barry Church is going to have to be beaten off of the stick. Like get like trying to fight him off. Yeah, and because I, he's and Ronnie Harrison joined Jaguars dot uh, com drive time or whatever the yeah. show is today. He was talking about how Barry Church is really taking yeah. him under his wing, showing him the ropes. And you knew Barry Church was going to do that because he's a good dude. Mm-hmm. But going back I mean, to what you were saying, I mean, it's it's where the almost 
every single pick, well, most of the picks in, the, in this draft are guys who should not have been there when the right. Jaguars were picking. Ronnie Harrison is no exception. He's an, he's going to put some highlight reel hits on people. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to be able to cover T.Y. Hilton. Or um, at least Deion not on a Hopkins. consistent basis, yeah. man to man. He should he he is capable of defending tight ends, but what he really does is he he's a, a hitter. He's a high energy guy. He's gonna bring that swagger like the defense loves. Mm-hmm. It's just he's just an exciting football player, and I don't know how he fell to the third round. Especially when you look at the. Uh, Terrell Edmonds going in the first round, yeah. safety from Virginia Tech. Uh, Don't shocking. Uh, it's shocking, yeah. honestly. I uh, yeah, I I, I don't. Uh, he went to the Steelers, right? Yeah. I don't see what he does. That Ronnie Harrison, I, I there to me, you could have picked either one, and I probably were like, oh yeah, Ronnie. Uh, yeah, I understand Ronnie Harrison pick more. Yeah, in the first round, absolutely. I agree. So and, uh, it's. <laughs> Big Ben didn't make a comment on that pick <laughs> like he did their third round pick, but I'd be interested to see what he thinks about that. Um, fourth round, you got Will Richardson. He has off-field issues, but potential to become an NFL starter at right tackle or right guard. He was already working at guard in the first OTA. Good to see that. I would love to see this man come in, work his butt off, and replace A.J. Can soon. Yeah, and be able to slide outside. To take over for Jeremy Parnell, Parnell in the future. And then you, uh, yeah, you potentially get rid of Can after this season, maybe get another right guard going into mm-hmm. next season in the draft. Um, Tanner Lee, a lot of people weren't happy about this pick. Not impressive numbers at Nebraska, but when you watch the tape, he's got the arm strength, he's got accuracy at times, it's inconsistent, but. He's kind of like Blake Bortles. Obviously, Blake yeah. Bortles had more success in college, but. In terms of the idea of being a project quarterback with prototypical size and arm strength, to me, it's the first time that a pick felt kind of forced. I mean, it felt like it was like, ah, oh, we better take a quarterback, well, otherwise you, we won't be able to. And I understand. I when mean, you he's, look at, he's got talent. I mean, he's, he's got, got arm talent. And when you look at the tape, you see why they're enticed. Yeah. And honestly, you know, Brandon Allen was a guy that is less talented than Tanner Lee. He was more yeah. of a quarterback, yeah, polished quarterback, but he was not as physically impressive. And maybe a guy like Tanner Lee can really take a lot from Blake Bortles' game. Yeah, you never know. It, this is and if not, of, it's a pick that's not going to hurt the Jaguars in any way. Yeah, I mean, to me, this guy it screams uh, practice squad kind of player. Yeah, unless he just blows. Blows uh, Cody Kessler out of the water. Which I doubt. Yeah. Cody Kessler, offseason addition from the Browns, USC quarterback. He's played well when he's been asked to play in the NFL so far for the Browns. Despite having a terrible record as a starter, touchdown to interception ratio is good, completion percentage good. Uh, so you like the quarterback room right now, certainly. And Tanner Lee, whether he makes it or not, doesn't really matter. It's more exciting because you trade a known commodity in Chad Henney who really isn't all that great and then you get a younger player who might not be better than Chad Henney but he's somewhere with new that you feel like you might be able to do something with Mm -hmm. and you draft a young guy who's very very physically talented who you might be able to do something with instead of a guy who is in the waning years of his career yeah so a change had to be made and they addressed it maybe not more than as, as much as people wanted to but yeah I think uh, the Jaguars quarterback room is looking very good right now. Mm-hmm. Not elite. Don't get me wrong, but you like Blake Bortles as your starter right now. You like um, Cody Kessler as a backup and Tanner Lee as a potential developmental player. Leon Jacobs and Logan Cook were both selected in the second round by the Jaguars. Uh, Leon Jacobs is an athletic linebacker who a lot of people projected as a 3-4 outside linebacker, pass rusher type guy. but Who fits the mold of the Sam in this offense? Yeah, uh, defense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's been a long show. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're a little rusty here. And just like the Jaguars getting back to OTAs. This guy is a beast. 
Yeah. The, like, just the sheer size of this dude. He's a workout warrior. Yeah, and his athleticism oh, is off the charts. Goodness. He's not necessarily, like, the most polished player, and that's raw. why he fell. Yeah. But uh, he could have been taken as early as the fourth or fifth round. Got him in the seventh round. Very athletic. He should really contribute on special teams. Oh, yeah. Um, Logan Cook, punter, replaced Brad Norman, who the Jaguars cut shortly after drafting Cook. Uh, good hang time in college. Uh, obviously unproven, and he, he does not have the strongest leg. But if you can get that hang time yeah. with Joe DiCamillis' special teams philosophy, mm-hmm. you can really uh, make a big impact. Oh, speaking of Joe DiCamillis, another untalked about change has been the change to the kickoffs. Yeah. It's very slight. There's no running start anymore. Right. So no players, blocks. players that would be um, covering kicks used to be able to start running as soon as the kicker started moving. Now they have to wait until the ball is kicked. So it's supposed to reduce a lot of the mm-hmm. big collisions. And we'll see how it works out. The, the blockers for the, the returning team aren't allowed to begin blocking until the ball is caught, I believe. And then there's no wedge block, so the, you can't have two guys double teamed running up the field trying to block people. So yeah. it's trying to be safer, but yes. Yeah. And we'll see how it works out. I personally would never like to see the kickoff leave the NFL or football in general, but you never know how it's going to work out. Uh, I'm, I'm, that doesn't matter to me, to be honest. Yeah. Now let's move on quickly. Which five newcomers will have the biggest impact in 2018? And this could be players that were drafted, undrafted free agents, free agents from other teams from around the NFL. We'll go ahead and start. Scott? Yeah, I feel like mine's <laughs> kind of setting me up on a tee here. It's, a, it's, it's an easy one. Andrew Norwell. I mean, it's the biggest upgrade on the team. He's a big money free agent. Should be a huge, huge addition to this running game. The off the passing the pass blocking was adequate last year. One actually one of the better in the league, um, but this and you know the offense in general was yeah impressive when you look at the numbers and it just they it just wasn't consistent. They didn't pass the eye test. It just seemed, not always. Yes, time at times they were amazing, but inconsistent far too often. So Andrew Norwell should be an instant upgrade. This one's easy. It was kind of already you know it was written in there in Sharpie. It. It's the easiest one. I mean, yeah. he has to be the number one. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, we kind of went like in a snake draft order here doing these, but uh, I would have also gone with Norwell. Yeah. So, my guy, number two, DJ Chark. Uh, I just think that his ability to open up the running game is going to be huge. And I, this could really could be DJ Chark slash Dante Moncrief, because both of those guys can get vertical. Um and both of those guys can open up the field. But I think DJ Chark just brings that added speed that really no one else has on the Jaguars roster. Keelan Cole is very fast, but I do not think he's beaten DJ Chark in the foot race. Uh, same with Dante Moncrief. And he's 6'3", so he has the ability to fight for the ball when it's in the air. His ability to beat you, beat you badly with his speed and route running. And he's not a guy that's polished underneath or polished over the middle yet. But he's a guy that can absolutely burn you on a nine route, and defenses have to respect that. Play action fakes to this guy. Better be ready. Better be ready. Um, So it could absolutely be a huge impact, not just statistically, but in terms of helping the rest of the offense around him. I believe. Yeah, I went. I went for the third player. I went with somebody who will play has a, a similar impact on the offense. Um, I, I say Austin Severian Jenkins. I think he's the best athlete we've ever seen at tight end in, in a Jaguars uniform. Um, I think he's going to have the best year in a decade at the tight end position. I don't know if he's not. I doubt he's going to get 10 touchdowns, almost 900 yards like Mercedes got. But that was think, that was a outlier type season. Yeah, that was an unbelievable season. That was like but, Reggie Williams catching 10 touchdowns. Yeah, but I, I feel like he's going to be one of the top tight ends in the league. Um, that is maybe, bold. Maybe not, maybe not on a Gronkowski level. Fantasy relevant? Yeah, I would say. Okay. Um, 
I would say he would be top 10. Top 5 might be pushing it just because there's a lot of love to go around in this offense. But I think he will have a big impact because a tight end can open up your offense so much. You're right. I agree. And I don't know if he'll be top 10, but there's certainly the pedigree there for him to Mm -hmm. be a top 10 guy, you know. Because he was drafted in the first round by the Buccaneers. He's got the athleticism in the hands. He's struggled with off-the-field issues. He finally got back to being a committed type of professional football player last year with New York that he needed to be to be successful. He only averaged seven yards a catch, but a lot of that just had to do with New York's offense, not trying get, to get him get the ball the down ball the field. Quick, quick, uh, quick. So I think you give this guy more opportunities down the field, and it's going to really pay dividends for your team. I mean, and just look at look at what they tried to do with Mercedes Lewis last year. I mean, they drew up plays for him, and mm-hmm. they and they tried to throw to him, and he's not what he once was. I mean, he was he's never been like an All Pro kind of receiving tight end, but he was absolutely above average, at, especially in that ten touch touchdown season but I mean if they can literally you can draw plays for this guy and they can kill teams in winning football games yeah that's the kind of weapon this guy is I, I agree with you now our fourth guy on the list impacts are not always positive <laughs> DJ Hayden he is replacing Aaron Colvin as the Jaguars nickel corner he's going to be on the field anywhere from 60 to 80 percent of the snaps in a given game he has never had a successful season in the NFL. He's also not been asked to play inside as much as he has been asked to play outside, where he's really struggled. He did play inside quite a bit for the Lions last year, and he was most successful in doing that. And I think that's what the Jaguars saw in giving him $6 million a year. Uh, he was a former first-round pick of the Oakland Raiders I don't know what to expect from him. I think being surrounded by Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye and Barry Church and um, Tashawn Gibson and Telvin Smith and Miles Jack could really help him and obviously having the dominant defensive line, but I don't know that it will. Uh, if he's able to come in and play anywhere close to Aaron Colvin's level, this defense is going to be better than it was last season. Yeah. But if he's not, and he's costing the team, you know, third downs or touchdowns, big plays into the red zone. I think you could quickly see a Tyler Patman, a Jalen Myrick, or even a Quentin Meeks getting some rotational playing time. Or even the Jaguars potentially trying to do some creative things with Ronnie Harrison Mm -hmm. uh, to get DJ Hayden off the field, creative things with Cody Davis perhaps, who's kind of a forgotten guy as a free agent signing. Um, as a safety, uh, he's most people consider him a special teams type guy, and he will be an excellent special teamer for the Jaguars, but he is also a guy that has skills as a safety and could potentially help out if your nickel's not playing well. And even Don Carey, he's played corner and safety in his career. So, To be honest, I forgot about Don Carey. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people have. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he, again, is a special teams <laughs> asset that could... Yeah. But I, I just don't know what to expect from DJ Hayden. I think it could be really bad. It could be. Could be. It could be okay though. You know, he could. He's getting into the prime of his career. He could be put in the best situation that he ever has been, which mm-hmm. he he will be in the best situation he ever has. been. He's never had a pass rush like this, or surrounding. Yeah. You know, secondary like like he has now. So, who knows? I mean, he's he's got talent. He's got speed. Uh, just don't know what to expect, but either way, I think there's going to be an impact from from that man. Yeah, negative or positive. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, my my the last guy on this list, uh, my guy is Taven Bryan. Um, I think the only reason he's not higher is because he's got Malik Jackson and uh, Marcel Darius yeah. sitting right in front of him. Um, I think well, rotationally. Just being able to get that guy, get those guys off the field at times, and not have a huge drop off in play, is huge. Um, he can provide you not only just rotational to, as a, as a break for your frontline guys. He's a guy who can make an impact, like we said before. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's it's not like he's just depth. It's this weird. Yes, there's depth, but it's <laughs> it's almost like it's like in baseball. 
now when you get you get past the 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 the, the third batter who's like the home run hitter, but then you gotta you gotta pitch to the cleanup guy, <laughs> and after that, and it's just like weapons after weapons after weapons. You know, there's not really a weakness. So I just think I think he's even buried in the depth chart. Um, he's gonna see time. He's gonna have an impact. He's gonna make huge plays for this football team this year. I think he will too, and um, I just I think that. It, if he was drafted by a different team, he would be a starter this year. Yeah. Not every team, but uh, many teams around the league. Mm-hmm. He would be a starter at either the three technique or a big defensive end, somewhere on the defensive line. He's that talented. Uh, I think he's got the talent of a top ten pick, but the production wasn't always there in college and the consistency wasn't always there. Mm-hmm. And if they're able to get that out of him and, you know, being surrounded by Calais Campbell and all these guys we've talked about is just going to help him. So I think he could absolutely have a major impact. I think he could help the team big time in the playoffs when your defensive line's getting tired down the stretch. Uh, We were going to cover our top five weaknesses, but we're running out of time here today. So we'll, we'll, we'll save that for next week. But we will give you, for our final little segment here, who will be the most improved player from the Jaguars roster in 2017 moving into 2018? I'll let Scott start with his guy, and then I'll wrap it up. Yeah, um, I had both of these guys in mind when we were doing it, and I was kind of going between them. I just think Cam Robinson, um, get a full offseason out of him. Hopefully he can stay healthy. He missed some games last year, or really, he really just was hobbled. A couple of games last year with, I believe, it was an ankle injury. Yeah, he played through a lot of games yeah. with that injury, but and he, he struggled a little bit because of that. He but. started out very, very strong. I mean, there was no, there was no problem with him on the left side. Got injured, started start to falter a little bit. I think you get him full off season program, getting back in the same offense, getting a guy like Andrew Norwell to come in next to him, so he can have that rock that he literally does not have to think about his left guard anymore. He can just take his guy on and not worry about what's coming to his right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I think this guy I just think this guy could take a huge step this year and I th- I I think he will be the most improved player. I can't fault you for thinking that, but I do think you're wrong. <laughs> I think Miles Jackson would be the most improved player. Uh, 66 tackles last year. I think you could easily see him push for over 100 tackles. Couple touchdowns, yeah. <laughs> few interceptions, bunch of passes defended. This guy, I don't think there is a more talented player at the linebacker position in the NFL than Miles Jack. I don't hold bold statement. I don't. <laughs> I mean, you've got Luke Keekley, who's obviously a freak. Bobby Wagner's a freak. Um, Ruben Foster, even who was a rookie last year. There's a lot of guys that are really athletic and impressive, but. You look at his skill set. I don't think there's a more talented football player at linebacker. Yeah, and it, the big fault on him is being able to harness his athleticism right. and use it in And he, he wasn't play. given enough opportunities in 2016, mm-hmm. his rookie year. Last year, he was given many more opportunities. And you saw at times a dominant player that can just make insane plays. And if he's able to get marginally better at just harnessing that energy, he'll be look at, light years better in terms of being a linebacker for the Jets. Look at the play he made in the playoffs against the Steelers. I mean, being able to not only keep up with his man on an outbreaking route, to just get to the sideline and then make that He catch. made a cornerback play. He did. It was... I I was like I didn't I didn't understand what was happening at the time. I mean, he's a guy that shut down Nelson Aguilar for an entire game in college. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, covered he Nelson corner. Aguilar. I just I, uh, athletically, there's nothing he, this guy can't do if he can get it to. He where had he, a 90 yard touchdown last year. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if it was exactly 90 yards. Yeah, it was the Jets. The Jets. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's the Jets running back? Couldn't even catch him at the end there. Even though Miles Jack was running out of some gas. I never bother with the Jets running backs. They're all the same. Bilal no, Powell. Yes, it was Bilal Powell. I like Bilal Powell. Yeah, you got to give right. him some credit. He's, he's, he's a spunky little He was player. down. And Miles Jack wasn't. Yeah, Miles Jack was not down in the AFC Championship. If 
you're listening to this and you don't know what I'm talking about, you're probably not a Jaguar <laughs> fan. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Miles Jack is my guy. I think he should make the Pro Bowl next year. I think he should make the top 100 next year. Uh, I, I think the sky's the limit for that young man. I think both of these guys have a great opportunity to take Yeah, that. and no coincidence, they were both guys that should have gone in the first round that the Jaguars were able to get in the second round. Miles yeah. Jack in 2016... Cam Robinson in 2017. I mean, Miles Jack, he's a top five prospect in the class. Some, if you, some at this point seems like if you BS look, information came out and it dropped him all the way to the Jaguars in the second yeah. round. It's a terrible thing when things like that happen that they typically do around draft time. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> and I'm sure he's I'm sure he's just fine with where he's at. Absolutely. But if you look at the first two rounds of these last few drafts and see the home runs that were hit, and then you look at the later rounds and see the value and the playmakers that are there, like Unique Ngaku is a third round pick. I mean the 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 job that these guys have done in the front office in the past couple of years. After the start that they had with the rough first two 2013 drafts, was awful. Awful. I awful. mean, they've really honed in, and they've picked their guys, yeah. and it's paid out dividends, and it brought us to where we are. No question. And where we are is, I think this is a team that if they do not make it to the AFC Championship, that the season is a failure. Yep. If they don't make it to the Super Bowl, it'll be disappointing. Yeah, you make it to the AFC Championship, it's not a failure as a season, but the expectations would be to go to the Super Bowl. There is not a more talented roster in the AFC. The only team that I would put maybe put ahead of them is the Patriots, just because of Brady. Tom Brady. I mean, until he's until he's not, he he's the greatest until he's not, and that's and he's just that's not the case yet. Yeah. So I mean. It's you cannot you can't deep. But in terms of talent on the overall roster, roster, I think the Jaguars have the better overall roster, and I don't think anybody in the AFC the best in the AFC. Yeah, might be in the NFL. Maybe you look at the Rams. The Rams do have very talented. Vikings, you got a lot of talent there. Eagles, you got a lot of talent there too. But overall, we'll stack up with any of them. I will. I will carry the torch for this team against any in the NFL. I like it. Well, we'll definitely get to see him against the Eagles. Hopefully, we'll get to see him in the against the Vikings in the playoffs. Yeah. Or the Rams, either way. Rams would be a nice little revenge match. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not going to get Brad Norman's 16-yard punt this time, or the blocked punt. Or the kick return for a touchdown to start the game. Well, you know, that could happen. Hopefully not. (laughs) But you're certainly not going to see a 16-yard punt. Good lord. You need to, like, knock on some wood right now. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, that's going to wrap up our show. We had a great time today. Thanks for listening. Um, To all of our listeners who are out there, please... Follow us on SoundCloud. Give us a review on iTunes podcasts if you can, if you if you see fit. It would really help us out. And uh, follow us at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram, and at Gen Je- Generation Jag on Twitter. And make sure to check out the website genjag.com. We've got all the latest Jaguars news, apparel, membership information is going to be coming out very soon. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Follow Scott Klein at Scott Klein one on Twitter. You can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo. And uh, make sure to check out Bold City Brewery, who is, again, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag podcast. Find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. You can go check them out at their original location, their, um, where they do most of their big batch brewing in uh, Riverside on Roselle and then you can also check them out downtown on East Bay Street where they're doing a lot of small batch exciting stuff. That's going to do it for the show. We really appreciate everybody listening today and go Jags.